digging in the dirt. Digging in the dirt. This is Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher, where Kevin and his guests dig a little deeper into today's issues surrounding the environment, farming, gardening, and food. Today, WPKN is in the midst of fundraising, and my guest here today on Digging in the Dirt is a great example of another way in which you can support WPKN. Dan Martens is the Vice President of Novamont North America. Novamont has been a sponsor of WPKN for over two years now. His friendship and support for the station is greatly appreciated. We love having underwriters that are good corporate actors, and Novamont is just that. Novamont is a leader in the world of bioplastics. It promotes a new model of bioeconomy in the logic of the circular economy, not only based on efficiency and sustainable use of renewable resources, but also as a factor for territorial regeneration. Welcome, Dan. And once again, thanks for your support. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for having me on. I, I always look forward to any time we can spend together. It's always, yeah, it's well, a pleasure. it's my pleasure to talk to you because I'm all very uh, worried about the situation with plastics in the world and you guys are doing something about it. What, what is it that influenced you, first of all, to underwrite WPKN? You know, I'll share a quick story with you. If, uh, do you know the story of the blue box? Do you know where the blue box came from? You, maybe you do. Well, no, nope. um, go ahead. Well, well, let me share you with the, the, the blue box that we all use for our recycling. Um, my consultant up in Canada was actually on the first team that uh, secured the blue box, and it was in Hamilton, Ontario. And it was decades ago. And they went to a plastics company and said, hey, we want to do this program. We collect recycling. And the guy said, oh, no, another one of these things. And he said, when he's environmental programs, he goes, well, I'll tell you what, I've got some leftover blue resin here. And as long as you can make it blue, I'll make you up some boxes. So that was the first residential recycling blue box program. And it was because one guy was, that's all he had left over was some blue resin and he would do it for free. And now it's the blue box that we all use. And the point of the story is that you never know what little thing or little decision you might make on an environmental issue that might have long, long impact way down the road. And I think that's what I think about with our sponsorship for WPKN, because we are not a world's largest company and digging in the dirt really does have an impact on the local level. So sometimes if you say, could I change everything or could I do something? And could I do something that has an impact where we may not even see the results? So I'm hoping that the thing, the, the, the little bit of sponsorship we do here, just like I would hope that the rest of the folks who might want to sponsor WPKN, and especially my, one of my favorites, Digging in the Dirt, might have the same thing one day, look back and say, hey, do you know the story how composting started in Connecticut? Or do you know how we changed from, uh, got rid of microplastics in uh, this material or that? So I think that's where you have to look at, and that's where the value is. It's really down the road and doing what you can, even if you can't do everything, but it's really doing those things and helping those folks that are trying to make a difference. That's appreciated. And I totally agree with you. Let's go back to what I was saying just a few minutes ago that you want a new model of a bioeconomy, circular economy based on efficiency and sustainable use of renewable resources, but also territorial regeneration. So could you break it down briefly for us, what that means from the company's point of view? 
Yes, it's for us. It's it's basically finding a new way of doing things. It's not just making a new product or making a new material. It's finding solutions to problems. Solutions are usually not a one-off. It's an impact. And if you're talking a circular, my definition of circular is if you're concerned about the thing that comes before you and the thing that comes after you, if we all do that all the way around down the line, we're going to make sure that we take care of all the pieces. So for us, it's, it's using sustainable materials, coming up with chemistries that are plant-based, coming up with chemistries that are low impact on the environment. For us, uh, we really only do compostable items. So everything we do is has an end of life of compostability, but uh, it also has a beginning of life in plant-based materials. So we're trying to come up with new chemicals that can replace uh, fossil sourced with plant sourced, and then uh, with products that can be used to make products that replace uh, standard plastics with um, compostable items. And for us, that's really making items that help support food scrap collections, agricultural mulch films, anything that's in contact with soils or with the planet. Then as far as local regeneration, that's an Italian word which they say in the territories, but that basically means working in the local areas and taking, for example, three of our plants in Italy were old uh, shuttered chemical sites, which basically used the same buildings. Uh, they were bankrupt. We uh, kept the outsides, the old buildings and the infrastructure, but all new insides, green chemistry and hired folks back. So instead of building a, a brand new plant, we try to repurpose and restructure the industry uh, within the territories or locally. Because, uh, you know, the chemical industry, the traditional petroleum industries are huge. And where they're talking about billions of this or billions of that, gallons, tons, pounds, we're talking about thousands. So some of these sites may not be appropriate for the big industries, but they'd be great to convert into new technologies and, uh, and bring, bring back local economies. So that's what that means. Well, I hope that someday you're doing it in the billions, because <laughs> we need to change this situation. <laughs> you know, the, your product you have seen on your website says that it's material properties and characteristics traditionally close to plastics, but they're vegetable based, biodegradable and compostable. And that without getting into it in depth, we have other shows we've done that before about talking sure. about the differences and how some people claim they're compostable, but they're actually not. And you guys really are. And that's and I've done my due diligence and checked your out and it's the truth folks when this goes into the compost bin it, it will definitely biodegrade uh, the bags that they make and things like that so what are you up to what are you what are you making now and uh, i think it's important to let the audience know that you're the bulk maker you're making the the bulk materials and then you have vendors who are making different products that may be of interest to consumers yeah, and I think what's interesting now is a discussion, I think we might have touched on it before, but it's becoming more and more apparent, and it's basically the topic of microplastics. Um, that was really nothing, it was not a topic that we pushed forward. However, the basic chemistry of our material, being 100% compostable or you know, biodegradable, uh, basically it can be seen by microbes as food and can be ingested, um, is become really a talking point. And, uh, you know, I think we're talking, I'm getting more and more conversations about agricultural products, basically because of the soil. And our soil is so precious, as there's many, many quotes about the soil, but basically, you know, civilization cannot survive without, without our dependence on the soil, because it's part of the food cycle. And so, interestingly enough, some of the, like, 
compostable mulch films or soil degradable mulch films. And again, this is truly compostable. I say that even though it's in the soil as opposed to the biogradable plastics that break down and are just, you know, defragmentable, which make more microplastics are really getting to be highlighted now. And now I'm seeing other products in the agricultural sector as well being made from you know, compostable materials. So it's in the materials, it's the polymer itself, it's the structure of it and how it reacts with the environment, not so much the product. And that's right. where we work on. So so it's like, it's behaving like what we're traditionally used to in plastics, but it will break down in the environment. It's digestible by microbes and whatnot, right? To, to become part yeah. of the soil. The catchphrase they like to use, they say this in France, looks like plastic, acts like paper. Oh, that's great. So, so I know that's a little bit of a tagline, but it, it sort of makes sense. So, Well, you, the last time we talked offline here, you told me about the Matterby mulching film. And yeah. I was interested in that because we have organic farmers who they're loath to use a plastic sheeting to keep the weeds suppressed, you know, but, you know, this looks like something that they may want. And, you know, what I like to, that it says is that it's using the same machinery that you would to lay it down or, or even get it from the manufacturer and then it controls the weeds. And, and at the same time you have, at the end of the season, you don't have to remove it. It just can be tilled in. And that's yes. really interesting. Yeah, and uh, I actually worked on a five-year USDA-funded uh, five-year project with Washington State University of Tennessee, where we basically study these products in the soil. And Washington State, you can look at their website, but they've really championed this topic, as well as UConn. Uh, one of the professors up there in UConn is one of the experts on, um, they call them biodegradable mulch films, even though I know that word I don't use for traditional plastics, but in the agricultural sector, it's called biodegradable mulch films or BDMs, but they have to be certified to basically European standards to be 100% compostable. Hmm. And uh, they work, they're, they're not exactly the same, but they work the same. I mean, they're, they're a different animal compared to plastics. So they're a different tool in your toolkit, but they can be used the same way that plastic mulches are used. Weed suppression, uh, heating the soil, uh, moisture, holding, keeping moisture. Um, so we're finding that, uh, especially in the Northeast, here in Connecticut, where we have smaller farmers, um, they're adapting them and it works well for them. Great. So, and this, I understand, turns into water and carbon dioxide and organic matter. And at the same time, it also leaves no harmful residue to the soil, which is, it would be something of real interest to the organic farmers that are listening. So where can they get this commercially? Well, for organic farming, it's a, I can tell you where you can get, but for organic farming, it's not certified for organic production as of today. It's for traditional, the organic farmers are raising bills and trying to get it certified. But right now it's not for organic farming. So uh, you have to basically go over your, go to your uh, organics board or to your NSOB and, uh, um, and try to uh, get it qualified. So farmers are asking for it, but it's kind of a new product in the organics world. But for traditional non-organic farmers, yes, you can get it. There's a, my major distributor is up in Canada, up in Montreal, and it's a Dubois um, Agri-Innovation. Agri and uh, they actually are the producers of it for me for North America. And then, but closer to home, uh, there's a company I really like called um, Brookdale Farm up in New Hampshire. Brookdale Farm, they're a farm, but also a distributor. And our brand name is uh, Bio360. 
So that's the that's the certified brand is Bio360. And then of course there's sub-distributors through Pennsylvania and all across the country. But for our folks locally, I think Bio360 would be the name you'd, you could Google and you could find some distributors for it. Oh, okay, that's good news. I'm, I'm sure uh, we'll get some people looking for that. I, I, that's really attractive to somebody. I mean, if you're a pledge farmer, for instance, who adheres to almost all organic things, but some of the stuff you use is not necessarily already okay by organic boards. But And that's a whole other subject about organic changing so yes, much anyway. Yes. So Yeah, that, it's, a, it's something that I, I really hold dear to me because I, I work a lot with organic farmers and they're really asking for it. And it's really a very much a, a technical thing. And it's gonna take a little while for people to understand how it works and then get the track record. These materials have been used for 20 years in farming, you know, mm -hmm. in Europe and even here in the States. So a lot of the research has been done, but we're doing more and more. And uh, for me, it just seems like such a natural for the farmers, organic farmers they have this tug of war of conscience because they look at all the plastic they're using and they're aware of soil pollution, they're aware of microplastics and, and they don't wanna use it. However, organic farming has grown so much that they need the production, they need the, you know, the right. output. So without it's really chemicals. a tug of war at, without chemicals. And it's, uh, so it's, I always say, look folks, you're in charge of the soil, the health of the soil, your guardians of the soil. It, it literally this discussion has to go from the ground up the farmers have to go up. So someone like Brookdale, who's also been a farmer for 150 years and uses compostable biodegradable mulch on all his crops, all his acreage, except for the, the couple acres of organics. And it, it bugs him because I want to speak for him, but he's publicly <laughs> said this many times. So, uh, but, you know, and a couple of the other guys too, I worked down in Maryland and they said, just really out in California too, it says just really bugs them that they, they have to use plastic. And then of course, part of the plastics problem is, you know, the soils, we, we talk about marine plastics so much, you know, we really have this topic because it's very popular, but soil contamination is from four to 23% denser than in the oceans. And then uh, in the water cycle, you know, what's in the soils ends up in the ocean. So really we have to be concerned about soil pollution. Um, if we're going to talk about having an effect on, uh, on marine, which again, personally, I have a very strong commitment to, to doing what I can for that too. It's a little different too. They break down differently than in the soil, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you want to try to catch your plastics before, you know, traditional plastics that mm -hmm. break down, they get washed eventually into the ocean. And then once they're there, they end up in the food cycle and uh, then end up in us basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to Dan Martens of uh, Novamont, North America. He's vice president there and a great friend and sponsor of WPKN. So there's a lot of plastics news uh, out right now. Diagram has had a couple of good stories. That I, for instance, I don't know if you heard it, but today, uh, Coors will no longer make the single-use wildlife entangling and wasteful plastic ring packaging. They're going to spend $85 million to switch over to cardboard again. You know, too bad yeah. you don't have a plastic rings, you know, that de decomposes, you know. We, we, did a, uh, we did a little test with the fellow who makes one of the largest producer of those rings, and they tested some of our material. Um, plastics are interesting because they are of our own creation. You know, plastics is not natural. 
you know, a right. rubber tree can make rubber, but you have to galvanize it to make a shoe, you know, so even right. so, so it, the reason plastics are so persistent and the reason they're in the fence is because we made them that way, mm -hmm. you know, and, right. and uh, we made a pen that when you hold it, the grease in your fingers won't rub it off, and rub the ink off. And, and uh, we made this so, so bioplastics have been around, of course, green technology have made them more usable, but they've really found their home now that we've starting to have the discussions about we don't necessarily want plastics that can sustain in the environment in us for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, we really want stuff that's more natural that can be absorbed by, by nature through composting or through basically as food for microbes. Circular. So it's really <laughs> finding a simple, it's finding a simple carbon chain molecule that will act as plastics. Although even with our items, it starts breaking down immediately, although it has a life where it's usable and then it really won't break down. And, but it, it starts like the environment starts working on, it, even though it's not noticeable, it's not something that will be around to a point where, you know, it gets to a point where microbes can start gnawing on it. Basically, yeah. they don't gnaw, they don't have teeth, but basically that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me that i think everybody would want to switch this over except possibly the people who control the oil companies and the plastics industry i mean the oil companies have been since their their prices have gone up they're doing very well and they're making more plastics factories even you know because yeah. it's 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 more in demand than ever seems kind of daunting to me i mean the united states nations the other day agreed to a legally binding global treaty to address plastic pollution in the world's oceans rivers and landscapes because we all see it. We all know this is a problem. And then you go to sushi and you throw, you get a ton of plastic with your sushi and then you just throw it out and you barely even used it. So knowing what you know about the industry, what is the likelihood of something like uh, Novamont's products getting more and more um, prolific in the, in the industry and in the, and that the consumers, I think really want it, you know, the, the, right now it's all laid on the consumer to do the recycling, but I'm not too sure recycling is the answer either. So what, what are your thoughts about all this? Yep. You know, good, good environmental policy, as I'm sure anybody said, it's, it's a puzzle. It's all pieces. And you can do this and you can do that. You can have wind, you can have solar, you can have this, you can have that, you can have recycling. Recycling is one piece, but anybody will tell you, you know, we're not going to recycle our way out of the plastics addictions that we have. Um, so we do have to find other materials. Now, bioplastics or compostables are really very specialized and they're really in their infancy. When you think that, you know, we just celebrated our 30th anniversary uh, last April of the invention of Matter B, which was really one of the first you know, usable bio biopolymers, 30 years and plastics have been going strong and developing in billions and billions since, you know, the late forties, or I guess even the first ones were in the thirties were invented uh, films I'm talking about. Um, so I think what we have to do is make conscious decisions to switch. We have to have conscious decisions where we can substitute materials. Um, I think we need to really focus on um, food scrap collections and composting because that pulls carbon out of the environment. So for all the bag bans that we have and all of the, we hate plastics and all that stuff, plastics industry is still growing at 3% a year, which says 3%, but I mean, you can read the industry reports. 3% on billions is a lot of, a lot of, a lot plastic. of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gotta be a, um, 
And then, of course, I oh, think funny. we just change plastics. Um, I can tell you what's really cool now, especially with our materials, is chemical recycling, because uh, especially for bioplastics, because a bioplastics chemistry is fairly simple polymers. And so they can be broken down pretty easily into its main monomer components. Monomers are the base chemicals that make polymers. And, and basically, when you do that, if you get down, they're basically pure again. They're basically pure chemicals that could be reused as opposed to chemical recycling, which is good, but chemical recycling, you're basically breaking up a polymer, you're chewing it up, you want to think of paper, you know, you're making it into smaller threads, and then you don't necessarily get a product that's at the same quality. So the newest thing that's kind of cool with us is we're really getting a lot of interest in this idea of recycling of our material. So what that means is we always have compostable materials where the end of life is basically in compostability. I mean, it doesn't get, it gets recycled by the microbes who eat it, poop it, and then die. And then we use their, their humus to grow plants. However, if you're gonna get into the greater world where um, you know, it's not just compost, but other items that can replace plastic items, you could actually have a, another end of life that is possible. Now, there's a lot of research going on chemical recycling with plastics, you know, traditional plastics, but these polymers uh, that are uh, polyolefin based or just fossil based are very complex materials with a lot of different additives and a lot of different things. So breaking them down sometimes costs more than just, you know, using the, the, the virgin material. Hence the dilemma. Um, so this is kind of interesting in the world of bioplastics because the, the polymers are simple. And usually there's maybe five or so different components that can be isolated and broken down um, and reused. So that's kind of, when you say what's new, I mean, that's like really new. So this is, <laughs> we, we could buy, you can buy compostable bags at Whole Foods, but this you can't buy at the corner store yet but this is new technology that could actually kind of change things well i'm, I'm praying that they, we have some major breakthroughs and even, even some of these big corporations decide this is the way to go because we're, we're really losing the battle with plastic that's for sure i mean you every time we talk i always say where can i get the ziploc bags where can i get coffee pods that are compostable <laughs> work you know where can i get plastic film that I, for the wrap the food that you know that, that's compostable i think all sushi places should have compostable you know trays and stuff their, their, their well, food. well, there's new polymers, coffee bags and pods and things like that. You have the issue with vapor transpiration, you right. know, coffee being now, even with the hemp industry. I forgot to mention one of the, the strongest proponents for compostable mulch films is the hemp industry. Cool. I mean, they, they really love it. And there's a couple of reasons why I wouldn't have spoke up in Vermont to the Hemp Growers Association, along with Brookdale was there. And we spoke and, you know, the thing about a lot of these farmers, they're new farmers. Um, they're not old vegetable guys, not that there's wrong with old guys. I'm an old guy too, but you know, they have, uh, they sort of look at new things, new technology. And before the bubble of COVID, there was a lot of money in the industry to buy compostable materials, which are more expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're just kind of open because they want to do cool things. I hate to be that, <laughs> I hate to be that, but early adapters sometimes do things because, Hey, this is something different. They have a whole story going. So, uh, hemp industry in farming, but then also in packaging um, and coffee and hemp uh, cannabis, even more importantly, it's, uh, it's oxygen barriers. And it was always a problem with bioplastics because we're bio-based, which means basically it's, it's not that it's porous, but it, it has a high uh, transpiration of oxygen. 
So now there's some new biopolymers out that are good barriers. Um, and with that said, out of Europe, and I have a couple of my partners here who are buying like five layer, I don't know if you know, like plastics, but basically coex machines where they put different layers of plastic together, um, which unfortunately makes most of them not recyclable. However, if you get the right biopolymers, you can make a multi-layer package that's completely compostable. But it's almost like what they come up with is almost like a, like the electric car, like a compliance package. Oh, we've got a one candy bar that's one compostable. However, you know, people go, oh, well, that's just a, a novelty. Well, maybe so, but you know, Prius was a novelty at once time too, as I've said. So Tesla now is not. So <laughs> one step at a somewhere. time. So yeah. that's kind of interesting too. Some of these new polymers that are coming out that are um, actual compostable, um, I think are gonna really change some of the day-to-day -day things that we have. You mentioned a Connecticut company that has bags, you know, that you liked that you didn't even know they were selling them here in Connecticut. Well, this is really funny. Yeah. Um, I work with, um, we tour, we bring diff different countries and stuff before I go over to Italy to tour like their uh, food scrap and their food waste programs because they're fairly advanced globally. And uh, I sort of worked with some folks from South Africa who are in the, the wine business. They worked with vineyards. And South Africa has a fairly robust, um, I guess, vineyard industry. And they also have industries in California. Some of the California vineyards are owned by South African money and stuff, da, 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 da. So one fellow who I sort of hooked up with down here, he, he's making agricultural products. So he, uh, they do mulch film. Then he also made the kind of tape. He took some bio bags, which is another one of our brand names, one of my customers, bio bag, and he cut them up. And he made those tapes like you tie your tomatoes with, like vines, you know, the stretchy tape. And, mm -hmm. uh, so he made that out of compostable. And then he started making some other items, little clips and things. So he sent me this little clip. It looks like a bread tag, like a little bread tag, but it's used. You put the wires together. The basic clips two wires together and holds them on the vines so that they don't fly all around. And I said, oh, he, so I'm going to be speaking at one of the trade, the uh, agricultural shows up here. And I said, well, send me some innovative products that I can show. So he says it because, oh, yeah, this one is made in Connecticut. I said, this is made in Connecticut, this little bread clip thing. So he sent it to me. Yes. And I said, well, what material? And I said, okay, well, we'll find out what this. And so it turns out it's my material that they ship from South Africa to Connecticut so that he can make the little clips that now I'm going to be showing at the conference up in, New in Vermont. <laughs> so That's awesome. <laughs> and where can we get them? We can't get them yet. <laughs> well, I'll find out. I'll okay, find out. Very is, good. So even I'm surprised sometimes, but people around the world um, are, are, are thinking the same way. And, and the idea is really anything that falls into the soil that can be discarded. Uh, for example, when they, uh, when they mark off the vineyards, they, they put plastic straws in the rows. Like they, they put a vine in every, let's say 10 yards or so, whatever it is. And what they do in California, they put a plastic straw in there with the idea they'll go back when they plant the seeds, they'll pull the straws out. However, they get lost. Right. So, you know, they're they, into so, the soil. So someone said to me, well, do you have compostable straws? It's a, yeah, it's a mess. I said, well, I'll, I'll get you some and see what you like. Cause, um, you know, but you have to kind of work with the industries where they have the money and you know, the wine industry has it to be sustainable and they actually promote sustainability as a positive. So 
Well, I've been talking to Dan Martins. He's the vice president of Novamont North America, great sponsor of WPKN. Thank you so much, Dan. You know, people, if you want to see the plastic in action, Trader Joe's has their gar their little uh, vegetable bags, and you can really see what Matter B is. It, I take them home all the time and use them to pick up the dog poop on the on the dog walks. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a, a great product. So, thank you so much for coming here today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate you supporting. Novomont and our, and our mission. And, and it's a pleasure to support WPKN, Digging in the Dirt, and Kevin Gallagher on, on your mission. So oh, thank you so much. And to all the you. listeners, thank you. And anybody listening who'd like to join our family of underwriters, give us a call or email us at underwriting at WPKN.org. Thanks, Dan. Digging in the dirt. Digging in the dirt. You've been listening to Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher. To hear past programs anytime you want, visit the podcast section of WPKN.org.